Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast, episode 42 of the Noel Kassler podcast. I'm back here with my main man, Jimmy Kennedy. We're rolling into the holiday week. As you listeners well know, Christmas Eve is on Friday. On Thursday, I'm going to be at Boston at the City Winery. I'm doing a Christmas special show. It's my stand-up comedy, but I'm going to kind of do a year in review and check in with the fans, so to speak. So come on out, City Winery Boston, Thursday, December 23rd at 6.30 p.m. It's going to be a blast. I know we're living trying times, you know, but the holidays are about coming together and celebrating safely. I'm triple vaxxed. I'm not using an opener because I want to reduce the amount of people, you know, that are in there in terms of performers that you might be exposed to. So, you know, we're keeping it as safe as we can. So if you're vaxxed, it's a, it's a mandatory, you know, and you're going to wear a mask in the place and I'm going to be wearing a mask when I'm not on stage. So we're going to keep it safe and fun and festive. So come on out, Boston City Winery, December 23rd, 6 p.m. So here we are, Jimmy. We're back in it again. Omicron is on the march, baby. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's making its presence felt. Uh, I, I have somebody in my family who's uh, playing college basketball and his game that was scheduled for today, Saturday, got canceled because of Omicron. You know, it's it's running rampant, running wild like Hulkamania did in the 80s. Dude. Exactly. <laughs> Jimmy with the Hulk Hogan reference. Yeah, every time I log on to Twitter or something, another friend of mine has tested positive. My mom's longtime friend passed away in Arizona the oh. other day of coronavirus, COVID. And, and you know, this woman was triple vaxxed, but had, you know, had immunocompromised situation. And that's the scary thing. In New York City, is the Rockettes just canceled the, the Christmas Spectacular I worked with the Rockettes for well over a decade on all the tree lightings at NBC. I have a long association with the Rockettes. I love them. They're athletes and incredible performers, you know, and that's a big deal for anybody who knows the Broadway, New York City theatrical business. That, that's kind of one of the benchmarks. You know, that's a huge moneymaker for Radio City, for Madison Square Garden which is also having a fish concert over New Year's, their tradition, you know, and, uh, you know, I just plugged my comedy show, but I'm starting to wonder about the efficacy, <laughs> if that's the right use of the term of doing all this stuff. If you turn into CNN right now, the crawl is like COVID spikes across New York City. And then the commercial is like, join Carson, you know, or whatever his name is, join Anderson Cooper and, you know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. whatever the other guy you know i used to work with that guy too who's the guy who does the real housewives thing oh um andy cohen yeah you know, andy cohen who's yeah. a great guy but you know he's not kathy griffin let's be real <laughs> and uh that's a gig i did forever you know i did that for like 15 years Times square you know and you know they're gonna make everybody have show their vax cards to get in there but you get to a point like is it worth it like it's surging everywhere do we need to have half a million people come into times square and take the subways and everything right. um so we're again at that point where we need sort of leadership and uh you know we need to take a moment and figure out what we're going to do because we've seen this movie before right they surge two weeks later there's hospitalizations Four weeks later, there's a rise in death counts. You know, we, we know the game by now. So it might be time to kind of shut things down. And I feel like not shut down the whole country, but you know what I'm saying? Non-essential stuff. And I'll throw myself on that list. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm asking you to come out to the comedy show because it still stands. But if you don't feel safe, by all means, skip it. Um, my feelings are not going to be hurt. Do what makes you comfortable. But it, it's scary because 
we have this pandemic fatigue that's almost set in. You know, we obviously have a weaponized portion of the country that's just like in your face. I don't even care, you know, and, and you know, unfortunately, mm-hmm. something like the holiday season, everybody has to coalesce. Everybody's going through Chicago O'Hare and New York LaGuardia and JFK and they're flying up from Miami, you know, and all the 30 percent of the Republicans that say they'll never get vaccinated, you know, mm-hmm. are going to be sitting in little aluminum tubes flying across the country, (laughs) you know, with folks that are the head of Southwest Airlines sat in a hearing this week on Capitol Hill and coughed his ass off and then Mm -hmm. tested positive when he left. You know, I saw the clip. He was literally sounded like he had tuberculosis. He's sitting up there, you know, so (laughs) it's crazy. And we've been here before, folks. And, you know, the last time we were here, well, Biden's been handling it well, obviously, but when, when this in August of, of 2020, a year ago, little little over a year ago, Dr. Burks testified that, you know, she was basically told to, to keep the data down. In August 2020, CDC had this testing recommendation and the Trump administration was basically like, hey, if you're asymptomatic, you don't have to get tested because they wanted to keep the numbers low for his political expediency, you know, and to help make it look like he had a hold on this thing. And Obviously, that's evil and they should be in jail for it. And Dr. Burks is a scumbag for not speaking out, for being loyal to Trump instead. But she's an evangelical asshole who was like, you know, going to go down with the ship and stuff and change her scarf and, <laughs> and put on her Peggy Noonan hushed voice and pretend like she was a serious person. But, you know, she had a hand in the deaths of hundreds and hundreds of thousands of Americans and she should be tried in the Hague for war crimes, as they all should. But I digress, you know, my, my point is like, don't worry about the optics at this point, worry about saving lives. It would be nice if like they told everybody to stay home and, and the government was like, I'm going to send you testing kits. You know, if everybody just kind of quarantined over the holidays a little bit and self-tested and they sent tests to everybody, you know, let, let Jeff Bezos put a test in everybody's box. You know, everybody who's buying a Christmas present, put a freaking free home at home testing kit in it. Let's everybody get hip. If you got it, stay home for a week because we're going to run out of testing capacity too, is the other thing is that lines are around the block in the city. They're miles long in Florida, a state that's not even reporting their numbers <laughs> for the same reason, because he doesn't want to hurt his political standing. And you have to be aware that that's going on in the country. You know, you have to be aware that there's an Arizona and a Florida and states that are willing to let Americans die because the governors of those states have their own eyes on the prize to become the next authoritarian ruler. And the people are just cannon fodder at this point. Ron DeSantis doesn't care about Joe Lunchbucket living in the trailer up outside of Tallahassee. You know, he doesn't care if that guy and his family coughs at each other's cheese whiz, you know, and then dies in mid-January. So you have to be aware of the climate out there and react accordingly. And I just hope we do that because if it's surging in New York City, where 90% of the people have at least one shot, there's going to be hell to pay in Indiana where you are, buddy. And you're ne- you, you remember that Korean movie that came out a couple years ago? It won oh, an no. Oscar and the guy like lived behind a wall in his basement for like <laughs> 10 years and stuff like that's going to be you, Jimmy. You're never going to leave know. the house. It's Jimmy the Hermit. That's going to be your new <laughs> name, you know? 
I, uh, I thought about, remember when the voter restriction things were coming down in Georgia and Coca-Cola was stepping up and Major League Baseball was stepping up and said they were going to move the All-Star game out of Atlanta because of the rejection that was happening. We need that to happen with COVID. You know, if private business really cares about the longevity of their sustainability within capitalism, because that's, I've said it before, America only cares about making money, which is capitalism at the end of the day. I totally agree with your point that like Jeff Bezos should include testing kits with every order in Amazon. And it's not like he can't fulfill it. (laughs) You know, it's an additional item, a Christmas present from Jeff to you to make sure that you can keep buying his shit. Because at the end of the day, Americans are consumers. And, you know, you've talked about the shutdowns that are happening. The NFL itself, the shield has become a super spreader. There are three teams now with at least 20 players on the COVID list. And then those players are around older coaches and staff members that are susceptible and aren't as healthy. Like, I understand money has to get made. There are vendors that are going to lose out on money at Lucas Oil Stadium for every game that gets missed. And that's why games are getting rescheduled. But damn, is it just about money? Yes, it is just about money. Don't, don't hold your breath waiting for the NFL to do yeah. the right thing, Jimmy. The I NFL know. ain't going to do the right thing. The NBA will, and the NBA's a mess now too, you know, because yeah. it was a bad idea. Let's be real. You know, we all jumped the gun and just acted like this thing was over. Knowing that you had a big chunk of this country that was making sure it would never be over because dudes on Fox News were telling them they didn't get to need to get vaxxed, you know, and the 75 year old drug addict that they worshipped told them not to wear a mask, you know, at the height of the thing. So it's not over and people want to pretend like it is. And now it's this political lifestyle thing. I'm not wearing a mask. You know, the fact that you could get on an airplane in the last year without having to show a vax card will be looked back in history as one of the stupidest mistakes that a superpower industrialized nation ever made. That's insane. You can't get into freaking Chuck E. Cheese's without showing a vax. You know what I mean? I haven't walked into any club or theater this year without showing a vax card. And I don't go out unless I have to is the other thing. This is not the time where you just go out every chance you get. You know, you still have to be very concerned and cautious when you do and social distance. I was in a grocery store the other day that was excellent at the beginning of this thing. You know, they had people handing out hand sanitizer at the door. They were handing out masks. They were enforcing social distancing. They had the arrows. My state put a mask mandate back in effect on December 13th to be in a business. And I went in the grocery store and like a third of the people weren't wearing masks and nobody was telling them anything. And I, and this is like, kind of Trump country, but New York state, you know, not like Ohio. I can't imagine what it's like when you're going into the freaking Piggly Wiggly or Winn-Dixie or wherever they shop in Ohio, like where mm-hmm. people are militantly anti-vax. And it, it's, it's terrifying because all these people are going to be coming together, sitting around their living rooms, watching Die Hard, you know, eating turkey. <laughs> and, and then they're going to get on planes and they're going to go back to their colleges and their schools and their offices. And, you know, and we're going to be here again. Right. And, and we've already lost a couple of years of American progress. So be careful, folks. I won't rant on it the whole show, but it should scare you. It should sober you. And it's happened fast. New York mm-hmm. State had the highest numbers it's ever had in the entire pandemic yesterday. Yesterday, the most new cases, like over 20,000 cases. It's terrifying, you know, and, it, and it's 
it's unkind to the other Americans. You know, I haven't seen my grandma in two years. She's in an elderly care facility, very nice situation, but she's two hours north of me, essentially, you know, in in an assisted living place. And like, I don't want to go in there, even though I'm vaccinated, I don't want to go in there and potentially expose these other people, you know, and I was planning on going at the end of my little holiday here when I'm coming back from Boston. And now that this thing is flying around, I don't feel right doing it because I'm going to be in hotels and traveling and gas stations. And you just never know when you're bringing it into somebody. And my point is, there's people that have been waiting for this thing to be clear, to get back to life that aren't necessarily always you know, healthy and strong and stuff, you know, if you're of a certain age, like you're super cautious, because if you get it, it's a death threat, you know, or death sentence, maybe, and you, you're scared of it, right? You have other situations. I'm certainly more aware of it than somebody else. And, and you're right, man, like I've done everything that the government has told me to do. I've done, you know, I've taken the steps to try to keep everybody around me healthy. I worked during the pandemic, you know, before I left my job, uh, as a lot of people did, in the service industry, like, I'm tired of it too. You don't think that people who are following the rules are tired of it? <laughs> They're following the rules because of idiots that won't follow the rules. <laughs> like, I know. Yeah. It, it's, it's, uh, it's maddening. Brother. It is maddening. And you'll never get rid of this. You know, it's going to be a generational thing to wash out the ignorance that was stained onto the psyches of these people by grifters, right? And it's all coming out now. They're all grifters, right? Jim Jordan's texts. You know, like the Hannity Ingraham text being like, hey, mm-hmm. tell your dad to call this shit off. This is getting gnarly, you know, and now Hannity's on a break for two weeks because he knows it's hitting the fan. But um, <laughs> like that is insane, you know, that the people that were pushing like, oh, January 6th was Antifa, you know, that same night during the day were like, hey, tell them to calm down, call your people off. And what I want to see, as I said in my car rant this week, I want to see Ivanka's text because anybody who's in that world knows she really calls the shots. You know, I used to tell people this, like Trump wants music to play when he walks in the room. He wants to get high and he wants to hit on and assault women. Right. He only (laughs) cares about the immediate kind of gratification to fill this giant black hole in his soul. Right. He just lives in the moment, whereas Jared and Ivanka, they see the long game. They're about like, how do we make the most money we can and rule the world? That's why Jared was cutting all his deals in the Mideast. That's why Jared had Netanyahu in his back pocket, which is interesting because now they've gotten in a row, okay? And Trump had a whole like anti-Semitic screed that came out yesterday in an interview. And I told people, he used to call Jared the Jew, okay? Trump (laughs) is one of the most anti-Semitic motherfuckers you'll ever meet. Pardon me for cursing, but it pisses me off that so many Jewish Americans went along with it because they're like, oh, he's good for Israel. No, he's not, you know, and now he wants to (laughs) hand it over to evangelicals. That's what he said. He said evangelicals care more about, you know, Israel than than Jewish Americans. And he said Jews, which is just freaking offensive. You know, it offends me to my core that anti-Semitism, that racism, that all this kind of stuff is alive and well. They should make every American follow like the Auschwitz Memorial on Twitter. Like you want to talk shit on Twitter, never lose sight of the horror that can happen in this world. You know, we're in the holidays, right? The holidays aren't just a time to buy crap and eat stuff and put up cheesy lights. It's a time to realize the damage that's been done in this world when you lose sight of hope and peace, right? And you got people now that are 
flying in the face of peace for their own profit. That's what Fox News is, right? And that's what those text messages were from Hannity. Hannity owns 90 properties. He's an extremely wealthy man, okay? He'll spend the holidays in his town, you know, in his penthouse in Naples, Florida. He lives in a big, you know, tower down there in Florida. You know, all these guys that are telling you not to wear a vax, they're not hanging out with you in the suburbs of Indiana talking about how Trump's great because he's giving the white man back his due. That's freaking ridiculous. It's ignorant. It's insane. And, and that's what we're dealing with. So this pandemic is coming back up at almost a time of war, right? Because this country is fractured. You know, it's a soft kind of psychological civil war, but it's happening. You know, when a guy has to get kicked off an airplane because he can't wear a mask for two hours or four hours or something like that, that shows you something is severely wrong. And it's all the same white looking doofuses that are doing this and Karens and stuff, you know? <laughs> so you got a war. You got the same shit that happened uh, countless other times in other authoritarian regimes where some leader manipulates people to hate his fellow countrymen and to fear immigrants and stuff. And now they have this disease that's been weaponized and they're using it as this cultural you know, weapon. And it's terrifying. You know, it's terrifying. This country barely survived Donald Trump. I don't know that it survives Tucker Carlson, you know, or Ron DeSantis or one of these other guys. And the fact that we're letting just a few people do this to us, that Rupert Murdoch is the guy who's going to make all the money and ride off in the sunset. Jared and Ivanka aren't being dragged up to Capitol Hill by the scruff of their necks and saying, what the hell happened here? You know, they're going to walk. They're never going to face charges. They'll go up the ladder and try to get to Trump. And it's looking like now they may have some charges against Trump. Bring them. Stuff them in my goddamn stocking. I want to <laughs> wake up to that Christmas morning. Give the country some hope back. Give us some indictments. Because we've sat there a thousand times where it looked like the hammer was going to drop. And then people forget about it. Trump gave Jim Jordan the Medal of Freedom on January 11th, not even a week after the attacks. He gave it to Devin Nunes on the Monday, on the 4th. And then they attacked on the 6th. That's him buying their favor and currying, not just favor, but like institutionalizing it. So now he's like, you went along with it. I own you. Now he's telling him to pay his legal bills. You know, the RNC is paying $1.6 million of his legal bills for his private lawsuits in New York or, you know, or the, you know, the, the cases against him in New York that have nothing to do with him being president, you know, because he's like, I own you, bitch, pay my bills. <laughs> That's what he does. Yeah. That's, that's what he did to New York. He had so many people by the nuts. He would have the NBC executives come out to Vegas during like sweeps and during, you know, upfronts, or, which are when you sell advertising in networks and stuff. Uh -huh. And he would put them up in his hotels and Trump, you know, the Trump like tower he has in Vegas. Right. And he'd put them up for free and show them a good time. And you know what that means, Jimmy, you know, you being like, recorded, oh, yeah, you like cocaine, you know, and now he owns them. So then he could do all this, you know, have all this malfeasance in his behavior on The Apprentice, which he did. You know, he'd be like, hey, I'll match the money that your charity raised this week out of the Trump charity fund. And he never <laughs> did. And NBC would have to cut the check. That's what he does. He destroys things and he lets somebody else pay the bill because his job is to break things and to launder money. That's all that Trump does. He's just a beast to hang your corruption on. That's all he's ever been. And a lot of people benefited from it. As I said last week, the Trump media organization that just raised $2 billion, you know, and raised a billion dollars right when it was offered. 
It's this IPO where you don't have to say what you're making. And he got all this money because it's a scam because all these other financial services and, and white shoe law firms and stuff can make money off it. People should watch. There's a show called uh, The Morning Show on Apple, right? Which, which focuses on the like sex scandals. It's Matt Lauer and stuff. You know, I was at NBC the morning Matt Lauer got fired. We were doing the tree lighting that day. Okay. And he was going to be our host on the show. <laughs> and I walked into the, my call time at eight in the morning and they're like, guess what? Matt Lauer just got escorted out of 30 Rock and nobody was shocked. Right. right. Everybody was shocked that it was happening. You know, it was definitely like traumatic, but it wasn't surprising is, is the better term. Nobody was surprised. We were in shock that like, oh, my God, now we don't have a host. What are we going to do? <laughs> oh, we'll use Al Roker, you know, for another segment. But uh, nobody was surprised. My point is everyone knew he was doing that shit. That's what happens. Everyone knew Trump was a scumbag. Everyone knew Harvey Weinstein. The list goes on. Chris Noth came out this week. Just look at that guy. You can tell he's an asshole on that show, which I always hated anyway. And that guy owned a club in New York City called The Cutting Room, a music club for 20 years. So if he was attacking secretaries, you know, at his agent's office in L.A., imagine what he was doing to the girls he was picking up at the bar he owns at two in the morning, you know, that are more on the fringes and stuff and are in the music business where there's predators everywhere. You know, and if you're a female performer, that's just part of life. Like you just get hit on all the time. So, you know, he's Mr. Big, right? So he was using his fame to assault women. It, it disgusts me. You know, people knew about that shit, right? Yeah. Beverly Johnson is an African-American model and stuff. She talked about it 15 years ago. She said the guy attacked her. Guys who do that is violence. It's about dominance. And, you know, we're in a world that like, that's the language that people use. Guys would be like, I would hit that. I always hated the way men talk about sex with women and stuff. I'd hit that dude. Bro, I pounded it. Like, what the fuck are you talking about? That's the whole thing. And God, there's nothing grosser than TikTok, man. I hate that, like, my management told me to, like, I don't hate them, but they're like, hey, you should try TikTok, you know? And like I did, and it's disgusting because I can't get past the opening page to get to my page. And every page is some girl, like, twerking, showing her butt, like, lip syncing to rap music. And they're teenagers. Like, it's fine. I'm not judging them. Women should own their bodies and have the right to do whatever they want. But like, I see it as part of this, like, you know, they're mouthing these words and the words are disgusting. You know, it's just these, these adolescent rappers talking about how much, like how many chicks they get and like graphic sexual stuff. And the, these girls are just like, yeah, you know, it's gross. You know, it's the Kim Kardashianization of, of our country. I told you the first time I met her, she was like following us around the field at the Super Bowl when we were doing remotes after the Saints won. And I'm like, who is this chick who's following us around? And my friend's like, oh, that's Kim Kardashian. And I'm like, who the F is Kim Kardashian? They're like, she made a sex tape, bro. And now she goes out with Reggie Bush. Like, that's how she was there. Her fame was for being in a porn. And now she's a billionaire. And her sisters are all billionaires. And if I was a young girl, I'd look at that like, well, that sounds like a lot more fun, you know, than going to nursing school or something, right? I could be a TikTok, like, influencer or whatever. So my whole point is like, there's a sickness in this society. You know, there's a sickness in this culture. This is a good Christmas episode for you guys, you know, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's true, you know, and, and we have to go back to the breath, you know, you have to go back to like, how do I help my community? How do I help the people around me? What can I do to make a difference? Cause it's overwhelming in these times. 
right? You turn on the news and it, you know, it's generated to make you scared. Like that's what gets your attention is anger and fear and stuff, you know, and I'm part of that. I'm on Twitter. I'm rage tweeting all day. I get it. Right. Yeah. But if you feel powerless, know that you're not powerless in every moment you're alive, you can make a decision. You know, you can be part of the solution or part of the problem. And when you act out in love, you're part of the solution and you can love any creature around you. You can love yourself. And a lot of this comes from like people's desire to get validation off of somebody else. You don't need a lover or a girlfriend or a boyfriend or something to make you feel better. Like everything you need is already inside you. All that love you're looking for already exists inside you. That's why I always tell you to read Anthony DeMello. I don't know if you ever have, but he wrote a book called The Way to Love, you know, and it's the difference between real love and attachment. And people confuse attachment romantic love with actual love right every love song that you hear on the radio is really about attachment right i can't live without you baby <laughs> like you know <laughs> it's all this since you've been gone like i you know it's all this stuff to like when your joy comes from somebody else you lose something about yourself because you start changing who you are to please that other person and it comes in subtle ways if they're like hey Jimmy, you want to go to a movie tonight? And you don't really want to go to a movie, but you're afraid to say that because then she's not going to be into you and she's going to go to a movie with Jack or something, uh-huh. right? You know, like yeah. real love is like, hey, when you and I get together, happiness happens. It's not because of you or me, it just arises. And if you can find that with someone else, go down the road and find that because I'm going to be happy no matter what. You know, that's a hard concept for people to, to, to get. But I would highly recommend Anthony DeMello if anybody's he was a Jesuit priest in the 80s who sort of broke with the Catholic Church because he was Indian. And, uh, you know, he got into Eastern philosophies because he grew up in India, you know, and he had this center where he trained all these other priests and he would talk about that kind of stuff. You know, he would talk about sort of real metaphysical things. And he wrote all these books, awareness and stuff. And, you know, it was one of our great teachers. And, And he sort of reminded us like, most people go through life with their blinders on, you know, it's like you're on a bus going through a beautiful mountain range and all the, all the windows are shut. You know, you have curtains in front of all the windows. You can't see how, how good it is. Like everything you need, all the riches are inside you. You just have to get really deep in the moment to experience it. And that can be whatever, you know, sort of brings you joy. Like Joseph Campbell said, find your bliss. I don't know if you know who Joseph Campbell is. Do you, Jimmy? I haven't heard of Joseph Campbell. Okay, Not Jimmy's yet. got some work to do, guys. Jimmy's from <laughs> a younger generation, okay? Joseph yeah. Campbell, it's okay. I'm not busting your chops. I guess I kind of am, but yeah, we're a different generations. So he's a very famous, uh, he was a he was a professor at uh, Sarah Lawrence, a college here in New York, and he did a, a, a thing called The Power of Myth, which was a book that Bill Moyers made into a PBS series, and you should watch it, okay? And it talks about all the myths and all the cultures, of humanity. And they always have these sort of hero stories and things. But the underlying theme is that in that is like, find what you do well, find your bliss. And that'll not only make you happy and make your life fulfilling, it'll help your tribe, so to speak. I'm sure you've heard the term like, get a job you love to do, and you'll never work a day in your life. Yeah. Right. It, it, it's, it's, it's that kind of thing, you know, find what makes you happy. You like talking to people and stuff, right. You like being a journalist and sports and all that shit. And sure. you went for it, right. You weren't, you weren't somebody who was going to have that come to you easy. 
Tell yeah. them, right? You had to freaking sue to get into the like call box <laughs> in high schooler, right? Right. I, I advocated hard for handrails and I didn't get them until my senior year. I got it for my last season, basically, but I had to fight and claw for it because until someone with a disability was the commentator, nobody took the time to actually install them. <laughs> right. and, and why did you want to do that? So then somebody who has uh, cerebral palsy or someone who can go up the stairs they don't need a parent to get them to the press box. They can feel confident walking in and right as you walk in, that's when you want to feel the best that you can before you have a show. Right. Right. Like, it, right. It was embarrassing to have my parents walk up with me, even though they're cool and they vibe with it. And like, it kind of became a thing. The most embarrassing thing about it. I don't think I told you this part of the story. Guess who sat right where the press box goes up to the superintendent of the district. So like, there's the powers that be seeing it right there. And it took three years to actually happen. And you're, uh, you're a teenager. So you're already bursting with self-consciousness, right? right. You're exactly. already like, Oh shit, I'm trying to look cool in front of the cheerleaders. And now mom and dad are holding my hands. And the suggestion that they had before the handrails was we can cherry pick Jimmy up there. Oh, like that's not going to make me a spectacle in front of the whole fucking stadium. Yeah. You should have like, done that, man. I don't know. You should have just yeah. been like, I'm a golden god, bitches. Get ready well, to hear the game. My thing was, are you going to sponsor me? Like this lifting of Jimmy is brought to you by. That's you what know? I'm saying. You might have you might have missed an opportunity right yeah. there, dude. You should have had a flag hanging off the like. They could have had a theme song for me. The whole fucking thing. Yeah, yeah. they wanted to change. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. That should have been like <laughs> Kiss concert, bro. You should have had Pyro, you know, you yeah. announcer. I and we, and we had we had games on ESPN. Yeah. We had networks coming into our stadium. Like, how do you not have handrails? <laughs> they wanted to cherry pick you up there. God yeah. damn, that's hilarious, man. That's like the truth, bro. Like, 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 you're, like you're fixing the, the phone lines or something, man. Yeah, they wanted me to fix the phone lines after the broadcast. Maybe that was the whole point. That's funny, know. dude. <laughs> but look, you know, that's hilarious. Well, good for you for advocating because now somebody else is going to have an easier time getting into the box. And my point is you wanted to be up there because you like sports, right? You yeah. wanted to be a part of it. That was how you were going to contribute to something you loved. You were a young man trying to figure out like what interests me in this world, you know, which is what you want to offer children. That's what I've said before on this podcast. You know, the world is stronger when you let everybody else get their opportunities in life. Let them mm -hmm. do what they want to do. Find their bliss. It's like I say about how they demonize immigrants. It drives me nuts because there are people trying to come to this country and give their children a better life. You know, their children don't want to have to do manual labor and all these jobs that their parents are willing to come here and work hard and do. Because there's writers, there's poets, there's doctors, there's teachers, there's all kinds of like human potential that we mm -hmm. never get to see because of this. And it, it cheats us all. It's like I've said about Colin Kaepernick. They cheated everybody of, out of how many awesome plays that guy might have had. He, you know, that catch that like my dude threw and the guy caught it against his helmet is something I'll remember for the rest of my life. Cause I was there in the stadium and people saw it at home and it was like, Oh my God, can you believe that? You still talk about it. That's why we're showing up to watch those games is to see something like that almost is like superhuman. <laughs> you know, you're like, Oh my God, can you believe he did that? And we all get to celebrate it because it reminds us of what humans are capable of, right? That's why we have spectacle and sport, you know, and, and rock stars and all this kind of stuff. 
These people aren't special. I mean, they're special, but so are we. That's what it reminds us. You know, like I can do that in my own life in whatever way that is. Everybody's got their, what is it? A slam dunk? What is the thing in basketball? Dunking? Yeah. It's like their, uh, their niche. They have their right. niche. You know what I'm saying? Like yeah. everyone's like, yeah, Noel doesn't even know what the uh, <laughs> slam dunk is, right? That's a slam dunk. Isn't that what it's called? The, the they, slam dunk concert. contest yeah the contest yeah the slam dunk contest that would be one where they're just being theatrical i used to do it i did it for 14 years i would be on the floor i remember sitting down there and Dwayne raid wade was dressed up like superman and he needed people to jump over so i sat down on the floor and he jumped over me (laughs) to do this lamb duncan thing man that's yeah. cool, dude. Yeah. I, I wish LeBron had done a slam dunk contest. He's been in the league for 20 years and he's never done one. You know what? Right. I respect that he hasn't done one. He's not a spectacle guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's a right. freaking baller on a different level because it's cheesy. You know, it's a cheesy, like, it's the entertainment night of that all star weekend, right. you know, but it's not serious. And he was probably like, I don't want to twist my ankle or something. <laughs> you know what I mean? I don't yeah. want to be a show pony, which is, it has that feel a little bit of it. Yeah. And honestly, when I watch it, I can't even tell what was good about the first one or the last one, unless it's incredibly, you know, yeah. athletic, but they, it, it, the last few years I did the all-star game, it got so cheesy. Like people would bring in props and all this kind of other stupid stuff. But uh, my point is everybody's got that in their lives, right? And you want people to find their bliss. You want to feel like this is what I'm meant to do. That's what I feel when I go on stage and I do stand up. You know, I feel like this is, you know, this is, I'm supposed to be here. You know, I'm not here because, oh, I want to be famous and be a comedian and blah, blah, blah. Like I kind of came to it later in life. And, you know, I come from a theatrical sort of background. So I, I knew I could do it, but it's like, when I'm on that stage, I'm like, yep, this is what I want to say is being communicated, you know, and people are vibing with it and feeling it and thanking me for it. Not in an ego way, but like, yeah, you made a point that I'm going to take into my life and take back into my life. And you want people to be able to find that because then people will make sacrifices to make sure that they can do that. And then they'll pay it forward and help other people be able to do that. And, and we're getting away from that stuff, you know, and we're, we're so divided now that, you know, we have part of this country rooting against the other half of the country, even surviving. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Like, you don't know who's on that plane that you're trying to get on without wearing a mask. You don't know whose baby is on there, who's got health issues, and they're trying to fly across the country and go to a hospital or something to get some kind of treatment. You know, like the demonizing of Dr. Fauci drives me insane Mm. you know i said last week i was in rehab at nih and the christmas holiday and i'll tell you a story jimmy and the listeners i was there over christmas and i got out after christmas and when i got out you know the guy was hey when you get out of here because i was a little flippant about you know what i was going to do yeah i'll go home and blah 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 i'll go to some of these meetings and he said listen you know the AA meetings are what's going to save your life but listen to me what if I was to walk into the, that ward and he goes, look out the window. And next to us was the pediatric cancer ward, right? The oncology ward. And I saw all these kids that were there over the Christmas holiday. You know, their families pushing them around in wheelchairs, bald. You know what I mean? Taking experimental medicines so somebody else's kid could live down the road. Those kids weren't getting out of there. You know, they were basically giving their bodies to science so somebody else's kid would live in 10 or 20 years. And he said to me, what would those families say if I were to walk into their room right now, their hospital room, and say their child could get out of here today 
with their fatal disease in full remission if they were to go to a meeting every day, if they were to work 12 steps, if they were to read literature, if they were to get a sponsor and call them up and be honest about how they were feeling. You think they'd trade places with you? And he goes, I'll be honest with you. More people die of your disease of addiction and alcoholism than die of cancer. It just comes out in different ways that we can't measure. Violence, accidents, neglect, you know, not take care of some other health problem because you're drunk all the time. But when he put it to me like that, I got it. You know what I mean? I got it in my own life, like that I had a responsibility to get sober and do the work. But I also got it in a medical sense. You know what I mean? Like if you have an easy solution, you need to take it. Getting vaccinated is simple, man. I got my booster this week. Yeah, I felt a little off for a day or so. So what? You know what I mean? It's the difference between life or death if I get this thing that's now bearing down on my state. Why would you not do that? Why would you not be conscious of what other people are going through to try and get better? Go visit a ward where people have cancer and say, hey, if you've got a vaccine and you could walk out of here tomorrow, you think you'd do it? Like, what if, you know, I'm trying to get metaphors that like will affect people about the vaccines. And a lot of that's in my standup. What if like you went around America and you said, all right, like, you know, in a day or two, somebody's going to knock on your door and they're going to punch you in the face. Okay. And they're either going to have a fist with brass knuckles on it, you know, or one of them foam hands you wave around at a football game, you know, and they'll slap you with it. Yeah. But you get a choice. Like, that's what the vaccine is. You can right. either die of this thing, have a tube down your throat and suffocate slowly in a hallway of a hospital, or you can be sick for three days, get up and live the rest of your life. Mm. Do it. And, and that metaphor the guy gave me at NIH, put that in perspective. And I saw the doctors and the caliber of nurses and people there at NIH. These are some of the finest people in the world, man. These are mm. folks that dedicated their lives to research medicine. You know, that's not the for the faint of heart, okay? Because they only allowed to study fatal diseases. That's the congressional mandate. They can only get funding if they're studying something that kills you. They don't study plantar warts, you know, and, and alopecia. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, so these guys are really trying to save lives. Dr. Fauci is, the, you know, the tip of that spear and they're demonizing them. You know, you see these hashtags, you know, on Twitter and stuff. And that demonization is coming as I said at the top of the show, from Russia, from Murdoch, from Trump, from all these people that have other interests in getting you to not comply, from scumbag little weasel politicians like Madison Cawthorn and Jim Jordan and all these idiots, you know, that are just doing their own malfeasance behind the scenes and they're trying to manipulate the rubes. You know, it's disgusting. So look at the big picture, get vaccinated, you know, and man up, cowboy up, woman up. Well, and, um, I don't know if you saw the clip. I uh, subtweeted it this week. <laughs> you had the logic from Tucker Carlson saying, you know, what if you talked about prostate cancer for two years as if prostate cancer was curable by wearing a mask? You know, you, you don't think if my dad could have worn a mask while he had esophagus cancer, if that cured him, he wouldn't do it. Like the fucked up logic that they use. Sorry to curse folks. I'm I'm a little amped up today. Like the, the logic they use to compare covid and make it okay for people to just pass away from something that's preventable is remarkably dangerous yeah and that yeah. that's the metaphor yeah. i'm trying right. to make with that nih right. thing where the guy right. said like look dude you you get to go to a meeting in a church basement you know sit yeah. around and laugh for an hour hear somebody tell a story about their own thing find the common ground you have share your problems and then you get to go home 
with a fatal disease in full remission for that 24 hour period. Like, and I saw these kids, you know, they would do anything to get out of there. They were doing it by being there. You know, they weren't taking stuff that like nobody knew what was going to happen to the stuff that they're taking them. You see what chemo patients go through. You see what your dad went through. You know, I wore, I wore leg braces myself. Like it's not the same thing, but I knew that if I wore these leg braces, I'm going to be better off in my twenties and thirties. You know, I'm going to be able to walk and do things that I want to do. It's a, it's not something I want to do, but it's a necessary requirement with, right. with the ailments I've been given. And, and, you know, the human brain is, is funny. It's weird. And especially when you start digging into psychological compulsions and that's what Trump and these guys did, you know, this stuff was weaponized by Russians. It's psyops. So these people think they're doing the right thing. They think they're being freedom fighters by not getting vaccinated and not complying, you know, and they're listening to idiots like Joe Rogan. Like I was so pissed off this summer, Joe Rogan and Dave Chappelle were playing in Florida, in Texas. They were doing arena shows when Delta was surging at the end of August. I was like, what the hell? Like, I wasn't surprised Rogan was doing it. I was kind of surprised Dave Chappelle did it because he gets a pass from so many people as being like the voice of the generation or something. It's like, why would you want to do that? I understand in normal times, like you live in Ohio and that's your thing. Like you speak to the hillbillies too, but like, why would you want to promote something? Like, you know, the dudes that are showing up to see Joe Rogan are not a bunch of woke, like vaxxed bros. (laughs) (laughs) these guys are drinking a monster energy drink and pounding some creatine and going in there to watch the human thumb you know stand there in an oversized shirt and tell some edibles jokes for an hour and then have the other guy come out and make fun of tranny people you know and stuff like but my point is like this stuff was amplified by folks that are making gazillions of dollars off it if you can't help shut up especially now so it's just it's terrifying because like so much of what we're seeing is preventable you know new zealand is fine right now new zealand is going to have a freaking normal christmas we're going to have a super spreader event right and then it's going to be january and every headline is going to be about how all the hospitals are full you know and if you need heart surgery in arizona you better find your way to california and find an empty bed because they're not doing elective surgeries anymore in those states, you know, that they're already maxed out. These hospitals are at capacities. Like, what are we doing? How long are we going to let people that don't have our best interests at heart manipulate us? And how do you fight against it? How do you fight against ignorance and darkness of this level? It's like we're in the olden days where people thought the world was flat. You know what I mean? Like, I'm sailing there. You'll fall off the edge. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, come on, dude. You don't know anything about science. Shut the hell up. I have a friend who's married to a woman who works at the Children's Hospital in Indianapolis, and he wasn't vaccinated, got COVID, like, and I know other nurses that uh, work at the IU hospital downtown, they're having to transport people from Arkansas into Indy because of the the rage that's having down south, like, it's all interconnected. I think that's part of what I've learned through this podcast and through my life to this point is like, the actions that you do do add up and do permeate other places. So try to be a decent person. Like, is that where we're meeting now? Is that where the line is? Like, just try and be a decent person. Like I, you shouldn't have to advocate for that. Well, that's what you should remember. That's what like Christ was talking about. Love your neighbor, do unto others as you want others to do unto you. 
Right. It wasn't buy a present and give a, you know what I mean? It was like, that's the gift you can give. Be kind. You know, a butterfly flaps its wings and, you know, in China and it's a tidal wave when it gets to Hawaii is an old metaphor. I, I, I garbled it, but every action has a result. There's just this little lag between like karma and stuff. That's why yoga is important. And I'm really off my yoga game. So don't feel like this is a guy lecturing <laughs> yoga. When, when the pandemic hit in 2020, it was the last time I'd been in class. You know, I studied with a guy named Dharma Mitra in New York City, who's this great yogi. And like, you know, I haven't been to class because I'm not going in a room with 30 people and like sweating on the floor for two mm-hmm. hours in a pandemic. Like I'll go back when this thing is way over, but you can do it at home. You can watch videos and do it. But my point is when you start doing yoga there's this thing called ahimsa which is like non-harming you know that's why i always talk about like yeah it tastes good to eat meat but it might not be (laughs) you're causing a lot of suffering the way we're producing it now so you start thinking about these things and when you start taking actions based in a morality that you sort of believe in you know like when when you start doing these non-harming kind of things you feel the results you feel it pretty quickly. Like it takes a week or two, but then you start to feel better and you start to see how everything is connected, you know, and you start to see how if your actions involve peace and compassion and, you know, and kindness, that those things reverberate. Suffering is always going to be there. It's part of life. That's what the Buddha told us. You're not going to avoid suffering. Don't even try. Create a space around it. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just be there with it. Breathe. Just be present. Eckhart Tolle is the best example. Like read Eckhart Tolle. If you haven't read The Power of Now or A New Earth or something, that's the guy who breaks it down the simplest. You know, you don't have to be like in some ashram, you know, burning incense, you know, doing a like, you know, downward dog chanting to get that, which I've done all of that stuff, folks, you know, and I'm down for it. But Eckhart Tolle is Oprah, you know, it's, it's, it's spiritualism for like folks in the Midwest that are going to go to, you know, Applebee's later that day, you know, <laughs> and uh, like you, you get it. It's about being present, right? Cause we're all stuck in our minds. And he talks about something called the pain body, which is basically your personality. Like it's an accumulation of all the hurt and negative stuff that we've accumulated in our lives. And we start reacting from that getting activated. And beyond that is your higher self right? The thing that's beyond your thoughts. And you can only sort of get a glimpse of that and feel that when you're present. And being present means in the moment, not in your head. Think of like all those thoughts that run through your head every day, Jimmy. (laughs) Between them all, there's a little space, right? There's a little gap between thoughts. That's what you want to get into. You want to get into the silence, man. You want to sit there in silence and you don't have to be extreme about it. You can do it with nature. You can just sit and watch nature. When you're watching nature, you're being conscious of nature. You're being conscious of the very thing that everything is created from. That's the best presence you can have because you're giving the universe an opportunity to experience itself. Mm -hmm. And ultimately that's what people are here for. You know, God or a higher power, he can't really be here because it's on this larger plane and form that you all go back to, that everything's made out of, this energy vibrational thing. But when you're here for this very brief time that we're alive, which is the blink of an eye, you can experience it and you can shape it into something that you've made out of love that you want to say about the time that you're here. You can dance with this frequency 
that you're getting to exist in. You can color this thing. You can shape it. You can celebrate diversity and the colors of life and the symphony of sounds, right? And love and beauty and sitting around with people you love and having a nice meal and looking in your grandma's eyes and seeing the wisdom of generations and the love that you're going to carry forward. That's what it's about. It's about honoring our ancestors and our ancestors are animals too. They're not just people right? Their spirits, their nature, their storms, their mountains, their rivers, their oceans. We're of all of this. And this is all a blessing. It's all a gift. It's all something to be celebrated. You know, take that into your holidays, open that gift up for yourself, you know, put some presents under the tree, right? It's called presents for a reason, right? You're giving presents and presents. That's not just a play on words. That's the best gift you could give yourself. Just like I said last week, give yourself the gift of sobriety. If you're struggling, I'm right here with you. These are trying times. The holidays suck when you're sober in normal times. You know, the holidays from Thanksgiving to New Year's is like the, you know, it's like the red zone. If you're in recovery, it's a tough period, even when everything's going right. And, uh, you know, I'm somebody who grew up in an alcoholic household with a single mom who was an alcoholic who struggled. I got Christmas stories that'll make you cry right now, Jimmy. Like, <laughs> I'm sure. you know, I got stuff that'll make viewers go, damn. I visited my mom in jail before Christmas when they're handing out presents to all the other kids that are there to see their moms for half an hour before she goes back to her cell. You know, I've done things, I've seen things. But my point is, you can give yourself the gift of presence, right? And you can give yourself the gift of sobriety if you're struggling right? You can call up somebody else, you know, and, and, and even if you don't struggle with addictions or substances, you got to be struggling with something, right? Nobody's getting, nobody rides for free as, as one of my mentors, Jackson Brown would say, right? Like everyone's paying it now. Everyone's paying for something, you know, and it's sad. It's crazy what's happening with Broadway. People are showing up to see a show and then it's canceled the day of the show, mm. you know, like they're sitting in the seats and it's like, sorry, the show's not going to go on. <laughs> Meanwhile, you just spent, you know, 50 bucks on a train to come in from the suburbs or parking for a hundred bucks and dinner. And, you know, there's, there's going to be things that are going to disappoint you this holiday season is my point. The normal confections and sparkling lights, they're going to ring hollow for a lot of people. So you can go deeper than that. You can go beyond it. You can reach out to somebody else and you can get help and then you can help somebody else. And that's the gift. You know, one of the best Christmases I ever had was when I was in that rehab, you know, and I was there with the other patients and they were from all walks of life. You know, there was women that just, you know, bottomed out in every way, and you know, were sort of financially destitute. I remember we did all these arts and crafts and I made this like painting, you know, and it's like a painting and I put it on like a mat, you know, it was like a doormat or something that I made this like design on. And I gave it to this fellow patient it was just something I made, like an arts and crafts thing, because you do all this other stuff in rehab, because those things help too, by the way, creativity, painting, journaling, hold on to that, do that kind of stuff. If you want to get present, that's the best thing I would recommend. Get up and do the morning pages, write three pages of what's on your mind every morning, no matter what, just wake up and do it, right? But anyway, so I made this thing with no objective, just made this arts and crafts thing, and I gave it to the other patient we were all getting out like a couple of days after christmas 
And she was like, thank you so much. Like she came up to me with tears in her eyes because she was like, now I have something to give my son when I see him, when I get out of here. And she was so like thankful for it. And it was just like, wow. And it was so meaningful to me because it was like the real joy of giving, right? It wasn't something that cost anybody any money and none of us had any money. I was broke too. (laughs) You know, it was, I made something that somebody else was going to share in if that makes any sense, you know, and, and that's the real, the real thing about giving. Like, if you feel like you're not enough, you are enough. It ain't about what you own. It ain't about how much money you have. It's about how much love you have to give, right? You're celebrating a season where a dude had to sleep in a manger. His parents had nowhere to go. There was no room at the inn, mm-hmm. right? So they slept with the animals. Yeah. It's a metaphor. It's not real. It didn't really happen. Sorry to break it to you viewers. It's a myth. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's a parable. So anyway, and, and now we're going to get hate mail. Okay. Yeah. It really happened. A virgin had a baby and yeah, that's right. He's the, the savior. Um, cool story, bro. Anyway, uh, Christianity is real. You know what I mean? Love is real. I'm just messing with you folks. I'm a comedian, you know, I get it. But my point is like, think about what that story is telling you. Yeah. Anyway, so that's it, folks. That's our Christmas episode. I'm sure that's really uplifting. Feel free to <laughs> feel free to listen to that on Christmas morning. Play it for your friends and family. But uh, I'm here to speak my heart, man. I'm here to talk about what's going on in the world. And there's a lot going on in the world. So stay safe. Be well. Lay low. You know, Omicron <laughs> is real. I got to plug my show now. If you happen to be in the Boston area and you want to come out and you're triple vaxxed, and you have your vax card and you want to wear a mask and watch me for an hour and a half, come on out. You'll be safe. City Winery, Thursday, December 23rd. And you can catch me at noelcastler.com for any upcoming dates. I will be in New York City if New York City is still open at the end of January. But we'll talk about that again because I'm not going to have that show if, if things continue to rise, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, what are you up to, Jimmy? Where, where can they find you? Uh, you can find me, jbkonair.com. Podcast is JBK on Air. Uh, and what Noel was talking about, just, you know, creating something for somebody. That's what I've tried to do with my podcast. You know, I don't necessarily talk to famous people. I talk to people that have impacted my life, something that they can share to elevate, you know, hopefully elevate their frequency and their vibration. So a lot of my friends, people that I've met and that have impacted my life uh, are on my podcast. So if you want to get a taste of uh, the people I've been around and the folks that have impacted me, check out my show. There you go. And Jimmy's got his Bruno Mars t-shirt on today. Bruno. Bruno. I got my immediate family, which are my friends. They're the immediate family. That's the section. That's Russ Kunkel. That's Steve Postel. That's Leland Sklar, that's Danny Korchmar, and that's the one and only Waddy Wachtel, baby. (laughs) Those guys have played with everybody. And I had a special episode that you guys are going to hear after the holidays. I had Leland Sklar, who's one of my um, key influences, one of the great bass players in the world. He's played with everybody on everything. And he's a wise man, and he's very outspoken. And listeners will appreciate this episode because a lot of the themes that I always talk about, he talks about too. And he was that they were just organically coming up and the things he was saying. And, you know, obviously he doesn't have time to sit around and listen to my podcast. He knows who I am and he appreciates me being outspoken. 
and we're friends on social media and stuff. But like, it was just funny because it's like everyone's saying the same thing, you know, and this is a guy who's been around for all the movements, you know, from the Vietnam era, late 60s to now. And he was like, this is go time, man. This is the toughest time I've ever seen, you know, and that's what I'm always saying. All hands on deck, you know, but music, art, life, laughter, comedy, this all raises our frequencies, right? You know, read a good book, watch a good movie, laugh sit around, turn off the CNN and the news and spend some time with your family. Enjoy it. Enjoy the holiday. We're going to strengthen. We're going to come together. Hope is on the march, baby. Despite all this bad news, I can feel it. Okay. Some Better days things. are coming. Yeah, man. Hell yeah. I can see clearly now the rain. Has, right. You know, <laughs> yes, that's, what, that's what it's all about, man. It ain't easy, but we're going to get there. So enjoy your holiday, Jimmy. And uh, we'll see you next week, brother.